When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. We're all following the government's advice right now. We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working. So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out. Hello and welcome to Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for our weekend review and preview given that Castle travelled to Leicester on Friday so we're going to put both episodes together. I'm joined here by Chief Sports Writer Lee Ryder and a special guest in Boosie Newcastle's Matthew Raisbeck. Um Just as we've come in, the club have confirmed that Florian Lejeune's injury is serious and he will be out for at least the end of the season. Lee, we, we kind of already knew how serious it was, but nevertheless, it's a, it's a big blow. Yeah, I think you could see by Rafa Benitez's body language how bad it was uh, in the press conference. So no big surprise out for the season. Uh, wishing them all the best, you know, in terms of recovery, as I'm sure all the fans will be. Uh, just a big blow for him because he obviously started the season with the injury in pre-season and battled back uh, played well been one of Newcastle's best players and you know sadly season ends ends earlier than expected and just big disappointment for him but a huge blow to the team it is isn't it Matthew because he's been brilliant since he returned he's, he is a very good centre back very good on the ball and you kind of felt when he went down on Saturday it was the game it was the moment the game changed and Newcastle kind of lost all that kind of spark about them really well, apart from the result, the injury was the big disappointment from the weekend because, it, as the club have described it, it's significant, uh, the injury. And you knew as soon as Lejeune hit the floor because he started rolling his uh, hands to yeah. suggest substitution change, uh, you could tell he was in quite some distress. You knew it was going to be bad. And for a player to have overcome uh, a cruciate ligament injury, to have got back so quickly and then to suffer what may well be a similar problem though the club haven't disclosed the exact nature of the injury at this stage uh, is really tough for him to take and it, it it affects him obviously in his career but it does affect the team also because like you say he'd been really good since coming back and I think at one point after he just returned from injury the team had conceded something like five goals in six matches with him so the difference that he made was clear and obvious from the start and in that three-man central defence, um, he's been a really important part on the left of that, uh, when he has played on the left of that. Um, he gives them a, a way of getting out from the back with his diagonal passing, the long ball that he can play. So they're going to lose that as well for the remainder of the season. But obviously the most important thing is that he overcomes this and um, gets himself fit as soon as possible. And Lee, probably for the players... Uh, Jamal LaSalle is the one who maybe might suffer the most because he's really come on um, since Lejeune returned. He's looked a very good centre-back. He's looked kind of the kind of centre-back that everyone thinks he is. Yeah. Um, but we've seen um, when he's not 
in the trio of, of Cher and Leger, and he, he kind of goes back to his weaknesses kind of come out and I, I'm just a little bit worried about how Lejeune's injury might affect the captain. I mean, for me, Lascelles always seems to look more comfortable in a flat back four. Um, the, the, there's been problems with this uh, three-man defence. He has adapted a little bit, but you know, right from the start of the season when there was some um, heated discussions on the training ground about about the new system and, and where people would fit in and how they would fit in. Um, for me, with a flat back four, everyone knows the role, and it's it can just sometimes teams have to go back to basics just to try and get a bit of confidence back. And I'm certain that Rafa Benitez could be thinking about that for Leicester at the weekend. Uh, as defensive as minded as he is, I, I think he might be possibly looking at you know putting Paul Dummett back to his you know regular left back plays, putting the cells in the middle, and you know and somebody. I mean, definitely one person's going to miss out because Lejeune's not not available, but somebody else, you know, could could miss out as well. And um, I think Newcastle really going in this game against Leicester. It's a very tough game. They really need to, to to get back to those basics, as I say, develop some confidence. Suddenly, a nil-nil draw, mm. which would have been a disappointment on Saturday, even you know before the penalty. A nil-nil draw at Leicester would be a very good result. Because it gives an opportunity to somebody else, but it affords the manager a chance to have a, a bit of a rethink. I'm sure Rafa Benitez goes through every possible system and um, personality can play in any kind of formation before every match. But with Lejeune out, you do have the option of just going like for like in the sense that you put Dummett in as a left-sided central defender like uh, he did at the weekend when Dummett came on. And he played in um, that position at Bournemouth, cleared one off the line brilliantly, had a fantastic game. So you know that if you just want to make a straight switch, you've got that option. You've got Federico Fernandez there, who, for my money, was probably the best outfield player in the first half of the season, yeah. maybe up until Christmas or so. Fabian Scher is back now, which is good news. And then you've got the skipper. But you do also have... Uh, the questions about the wide areas in defence, the fullbacks. I'm sure we'll talk about Yedlin and, and his match against Crystal Palace. Um, you know, there was an idea that maybe Mankio would have been suited for that game. Could Mankio be um, suited to them for an away match? Could he play on the left and push Richie further up? If you want to have Dummett as a central defender, there are options now. And um, as you say, Lee, at least one change will have to be made because Lejeune is absent. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean... You look at this game against Leicester and Lascelles really... I mean, look, Rafa Benitez has, has, has done dramatic things before. He's not afraid to to drop the captain. Um, so you're talking about Scher and Fernandez. there. Could be a possible partnership in a flat-back four. Um, Fernandez, you know, looked a disappointed figure when we were stood there to do his part, walking out, wasn't involved. Um, he played okay at Bournemouth I mean obviously Dummett must have been disappointed on Saturday because you know he, he was dropped and the players only found out just before the kickoff. and you know I've, I've mentioned in my match reports there is an air of uncertainty around the squad at the minute because you don't know who's going to be manager you've got people like Rondon doesn't know his future uh, and I think it showed in the performance you know Newcastle were brilliant in terms of creating chances, but in the final third, the nerve failed them. And on a day like Crystal Palace, where you you can win and seal safety, you know you've got to you've got to take those chances. And, and they didn't do it. And I just think they looked nervous. Lee's mentioned Dummett there. Obviously, he came on for Lejeune, 
Benitez stuck with the formation that he'd, he'd started with. I, I saw a few people on social media saying, well, you were against a Palace side who didn't really look like they could defend. Their goalkeeper didn't look like he could catch a cold. And yet you've thrown on another defender. Why not maybe play three across the middle of bring on Shelby for Lejeune uh, or even Muto? What, what was your thoughts? Was it the right decision to bring on Dummett? Well, Rafa Benitez does tend to go like for like, doesn't he? Uh, but in the circumstances, there, there is a, an argument for being more positive with the substitutions. Um, the fact that Shelby wasn't starting, I know, upset some supporters because last week on BBC Newcastle on our Total Sport phone-in, people were, were calling in and saying, this is a game for Shelby to start, to give us some creativity at home, to give us the opportunity to dictate the game and grab hold of it. Uh, and the fact that he was on the bench and then didn't come on until much later, I think, was a, a clear um, frustration for a lot of fans because he can unlock the door. And especially with Almer on there, they haven't really had a chance to play together. But you could see that that is a, a combination that could work really well. Um, so I think that is a fair question to ask. You're right about Muto as well, who we know is bright and busy and lively. Just played twice as a substitute recently after a long spell out of the team um, for selection reasons and also he was on international duty. He could have provided a spark as well. And yeah, I think they conceded a goal, obviously. They gave the ball away near the halfway line. Palace broke, won a penalty, definite penalty. But the way that they were going to go um, and get anything on Saturday probably would have been by making some sort of change in the attacking areas because like you say Lee they created chances but they weren't putting them away so maybe you make a change to stick somebody on in an attacking area who might get on the end of something that could have been Muto um, Richie obviously pushed further on you've got Atsu as well to create opportunities they could have been perhaps a, a different combination found later in the game uh, when Lejeune went off but Rafa Benitez did say that that affected the players it disrupted their rhythm it, it they lost the momentum Palace made some changes and it was a turning point because you lose a good player to injury but also the effect it had on Newcastle psychologically I mean if you look at the bench I mean the Rondon for me wasn't having a good game he would be the first player that I would you know for the last 20 minutes I'd think be thinking about a change he missed a lot of chances he seemed to be doing a lot of rash things that free kick just before half time that, uh, from, from way out on, on the left um, you know, it proved to be nowhere near. Um, you know, Rondon's had a great season, but Rafa Benitez must be looking behind him and thinking, right, who've I got? Who's my out-and-out goal scorer I can put on and, and replace? Muto really isn't an out-and-out goal scorer. He's, he's more of a number ten. He can play out wide. Um, obviously, scored the goal at Man United, didn't he? But he's he hasn't got a reputation of, of, of being that prolific guy in front of goal. Basically, Newcastle haven't got that option. If you look at all the great teams down the years uh, Man United had Solskjaer on the bench uh, Liverpool had David Fairclough on the bench super sub used to come on and get a goal you need to have that sort of wealth of options uh, in your squad someone to throw on throw on the pitch when you need a goal and you know Newcastle with 10 minutes left probably could have nicked that game um, sadly things went on they made the mistake Yedlin made his mistake they conceded a penalty and emerged with absolutely nothing so really disappointing and hard to take let's talk about Yedlin people praise him for his attacking ability um, defensively he seems to have gone backwards a little bit over the past few months and, and Saturday was a really disappointing penalty to give away You know, Benitez had said they'd watched the tapes so they know what Sahar's going to do and Yedlin just 
steamed in and I mean, like you say, it was, it was a stonewall penalty. Well, we spoke to him afterwards, Lee, uh, and you put the question to him about the penalty. And the thing about Yedlin is no matter what the result or his own performance, he will speak to the media. He's happy to front up and you have to give him credit for that. He's obviously uh, the type of character that won't hide away when things go against him or go uh, badly for the team. And he's part of that. And he admitted that, yeah, he, he said he slipped he didn't go to, didn't lunge in, but it was a foul and it was a penalty. Um, uh, Ian, you're right, the manager was disappointed because they'd worked on that. They'd looked at that. Zaha's a clear threat, a danger man. So you know how he's going to play, you know what he's going to do. And you've got to um, try to negate the threat, but obviously don't succumb to his skills and, and concede a penalty. Yedlin, he gets you up the pitch very well. He's an out ball. His pace can be frightening at times and it gets him out of trouble defensively as well doesn't it but I think you're right with the defensive side of the game compared to Paul Dummett on the other side of the field Dummett is an out and out defender he would probably be the first person to tell you himself Dummett that going forwards is not his strength but he tries I mean if you could combine the best elements of both players you would have a brilliant fullback wouldn't you Um, so you know what you get on one side you don't quite have on the other but with Yedlin He's always acknowledged that he needs to work on the defending, but yeah, it was it was his foul, his error, if you like, in that sense, that cost the team at the weekend. And compare Yedlin to Aaron Wan-Bissaka for Crystal Palace uh, on the other side of the pitch. He was terrific, I thought. 21 years of age, there's been a lot of hype uh, surrounding him. You can see why he's being linked to the big clubs, because he defended well, he got forwards to good effect. Um, and I know there are a lot of supporters that are unhappy with the options for right back because they don't rate Mankio very highly um, some feel that Yedlin lets the team down defensively John Anderson who's our pundit on BBC Newcastle the Newcastle player ex-Newcastle player was a right back and he thought Mankio would start at the weekend because he's a better defender yeah to be fair I did think Mankio was, was in contention Rafa just before the game said that his selection was based on performances in training um, so there's, there was a few close calls I believe um and that seemed to add to the that little bit of uncertainty, as I, as I mentioned. Do you think the fact that there really isn't a competition for right-back, I know that sounds a bit disrespectful towards Mankiewicz, but there's not really someone to keep yelling on his toes, so to speak. Do you think that that kind of maybe affects his performance every now and then? Uh, yeah, because then, you know, if, if, you, if you feel that there's no competition, then you, you just kind of like drift a little bit and his mind looked like it had sort of drifted towards the end of the game um, it's a difficult position to play full back um, because you've obviously got to keep turning around and you've got to track back and you've got to do all those those duties that are, you know can win or lose your game on Saturday it lost them the game um, but I do know you know one of the priorities that the scouting team at Newcastle are looking for they do want another full back um, on, well they want both sides they want more cover they want more options um, and I think they've been looking at right across Europe at this and uh, I think by pre-season I do think there'll be you know another another defender coming in in, in those positions and uh, I think that's one of the things that Rafa Benitez has asked for. The thing about Yedlin as well is that maybe the wing-back role suits him because it enables him to get forwards and, and you have obviously the three central defenders who can cover a, a bigger area um, because they're spread out across the back line and you've got Richie who's not a natural defender on one side, but can give you more going forwards. You've got Yedlin, who 
is came in as a fullback, loves to get forward. So they do give you the opportunity to get up the pitch. But if there is a hole in behind, then it, it is a problem. And as I say, you've got the central defenders who can get across and cover, but not every time. And um, the good side of Yedlin, though, is, I mean, not just his attitude, but Bournemouth away, you know, he put the ball over for Richie, the other wing back, yeah. to score that brilliant goal, that vital goal. He probably should have had a penalty, or certainly in the eyes of Rafa Benitez in the first half, because he gets forward and because he's got that pace. So he does give you another dimension. It is just, you know, every player has parts of their game that can be better. And unfortunately, with Yedlin, sometimes you see some of the things that maybe he could do better get exposed because of the type of position that he's in. As you say, you're often having to turn around, you're facing your own goal. Um, some of it's last ditch, but often he is the player because of his pace that gets the team out of trouble, yeah. gets them out he's of jail. Outlet, yeah. yeah. So there's pros and cons to having him in the team. I mean, if he was as brilliant defensively as he was in terms of giving you an option going forwards, he probably wouldn't be playing for Newcastle. He'd be at a team in the Champions League, wouldn't he? But... Um, you're right about competition because they actually haven't replaced Jesus Gámez, who was what the third choice right back. That's right, yeah. Um, left last summer, so they are light in that area. They were light at left back. Brought in Bereka, who we've only seen once for about five minutes at Spurs um, two months ago. So fullbacks, both sides probably will be, you know, priority positions for them. But there are a few positions that you might consider a priority for the summer. I mean, I'll take you, you back to Portugal if you remember. Um, at the team hotel was sat talking to Jamie Sterry, if you mm. remember that. And at that point, Jamie Sterry said, I feel I'm level with, with the Edlin in terms of, uh, you know, attributes and what he can bring to the team. Um, but it just hasn't worked out for Jamie Sterry. Um, he obviously went out on loan, not up there. And seemingly, Rafa doesn't deem him, um, you know, capable of even coming in on the bench and, and offering an option at right back. So as I say, it is a position they are looking at. You do need to get it sorted, but you could say that uh, about a range of positions across the pitch. Well, it's interesting because today there's been reports that Newcastle are considering a swap deal, um, allowing Gale and Murphy to stay at West Brom and, and Gibbs, um, obviously a left-back, um, yeah. would come the other way with Jake Livermore and um, Salmon Rondon. But uh, Lee, I mean, you spoke to Benitez and that doesn't look like a likely story. Well, Benitez has basically left the door you know, open for both uh, Gail and Murphy to come back. I spoke to him about that um, just before the weekend, and that that was his stance on it. Um, Gibbs for me doesn't seem like a player that Newcastle would like in terms of he's obviously on big money. Um, you know, they are trying to. You know, any player between twenty and twenty five who's looking to kick on with their career. Newcastle are looking to to bring in. Uh, that's the ideal scenario for the powers that be. It's not the ideal scenario for Rafa because he's obviously trying to do different things. Um, but look, at the end of the day, I think the players that Newcastle would like to say are very much up and coming rather than players who've got the, you know the best years behind them. Um, on to another up and coming player who's still very young. You might not think of Isaac Hayden. Um, very interesting interview in the match day programme where he opens up um, a bit more about his personal reasons for wanting to leave. Um, basically, family first, which we can all understand. He's having a fantastic 2019, and whereas before you were probably maybe looking at six, seven million pounds to to say right yeah, on your way, you, you you potentially got a 15 million, 20 million pound player 
on the way he's performed recently. Well, his form may um, cost him a move because there'll be some clubs that perhaps haven't budgeted for that type of figure for Isaac Hayden. I'm sure there's plenty interested in him. Um, if he was somehow to stay at Newcastle United, I think the fans would be delighted because of how well he's done, how he's turned things around, which has gained their respect. Um, and Rafa Benitez is a big fan of Hayden. I know he, he has mentioned in the past that he, he feels that he has the quality to one day play for England. Um he obviously has to establish himself in the Premier League first, but he's done that in the second half of this season. And, um, you know, you wouldn't have thought in August when he got sent off at Cardiff or at any point before then in the summer when we knew that there was a question mark about his future because of these personal reasons that we would be um, talking about what a blow it will be to lose him. But I think you can only admire Hayden for the way that he has performed for his attitude and commitment because there'll be some players and look, I don't need to name names, but in fact there are some players that have been at Newcastle that haven't seemingly had the off-field issues that Hayden's had that couldn't wait to get away and he has stuck it out, performed brilliantly. I thought he was really good again on Saturday, recovered the ball so many times uh, in midfield and has made himself one of the first players in the team now uh, he had that great partnership with Longstaff. Obviously, it's been key. It's been Diame. It may well be Shelby between now and the end of the season as well. Um, so we'll see what that brings. But he's, he still wants to leave. His personal circumstances haven't changed. I think we all know them now because he's been candid uh, and very clear in a way that a lot of footballers aren't. But if he does go, yeah, maybe the club will make it a big profit on him. But... I'm not just sure whether that will compensate them for the loss of somebody who's played as well because how much will it cost to get somebody to perform as well as Isaac Hayden has since he came into the team at um, Liverpool on Boxing Day? Well, certainly. I mean, if Sean Longstaff hadn't got injured against West Ham, we'd probably be sitting here with them two as the, the, the first options in centre midfield. Absolutely. I mean, Sean Longstaff... As I said in the first half of the season, I was amazed that he didn't get a chance earlier. But once he did get his chance, he, he certainly took it. But Newcastle have got this, this big question mark over that central midfield area because if Hayden, you know, does get his wish and you know is allowed to leave, um, that's one player out the door. Shelby doesn't seem to have much of a future either. Um, obviously, didn't get a, a real big opportunity on on Saturday to to shine. Um, and then obviously you've got more Diarmi as well, who had a slight thigh strain, I think it was uh, at the weekend, so he didn't play. But obviously this is, he may not even trigger the contract. I mean he's he's only got a few more games left to do it, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. Um, and Longstaff could be one of the first choice players uh, going into the new season when it, when he's back fully fit. So I think that this. It's going to be a very interesting um, three or four months at Newcastle. Well, Diame started 23 matches this season. So how many games he got left? Five. Five, yeah. So he needs to play from the start in, in two of those. Yeah. If he has an injury, you know, it may well be that he doesn't, he doesn't make the 25. But there's that situation. Longstaff will get fit. I think there is in the eyes of a lot of fans a question mark about Shelby maybe not so much about his attitude because Benitez has said that he's desperate to play but they're holding him back he's had this ongoing thigh problem and, and he's got to be fit he's got to get right because they can't have him lose more of his career and be out injured again 
But then you've got Ki Sung Young, who will only have another year left on his contract because it was a two-year deal that he signed last summer. So you have a situation in central midfield where you could lose two, maybe three, and then you'd be left with a young lad who we all rate and, and, and are delighted that he's doing well and I'm sure he'll just keep getting better in Longstaff. And Key, who could be away in 12 months' time. I mean, he'll be um, 31, I think, by the time his contract expires, which is not the age uh, that Newcastle like to renew contracts at. I think it's only Colaccini that's probably yeah. signed a, a, an extension in recent times over the age of 30. Someone may correct me if I'm wrong. There might be another example. I can't think of one off the top of my head. So we talked about fullbacks being important. Central midfield is important. We've talked about the lack of striking options. So at least one striker needs to come in. Rondon and, and one more, hopefully. So there's four big positions in the team already that, you know, just I mean, by you could be looking, talking about yeah. a, a complete revamp. Well, it's half a team, isn't it, almost? And, you know, we've just come to these conclusions after analysing the game at, at the weekend and some of the issues um, underpinning it. So it's clear that, you know, there is a lot of important work to be done in, in key parts, on key parts of the team in the summer, whoever the manager is. Yeah, I mean, sitting on top of the, sitting on the on top of all that pile is the manager's contract. So. Say that's, that was the point. I mean, that is that is the key bit of business that's got to be done. Do you think that the club's hierarchy, um, they they see the, the issues that we've just highlighted there? Do you think they understand that it's not just Rafa Benitez's contract that needs to be sorted? Then it's all that that comes after it, or is it at the moment the focus is solely on that? contract and then they'll deal with whatever happens afterwards it just seems for me you know it seems like there's a political game going on and it's it's who's going to kind of blink first almost because Rafa obviously wants to stay but he will only stay if the conditions are right um, he's, he's sick of fighting relegation battles he wants to you know push on the top eight but you obviously need the tools for the job to do that um, the powers that be they want Rafa to stay but they don't want to you know be too um, they don't want to throw loads of money at them in terms of spending money they want to you know cut the cloth accordingly which they've done before um, but the the big worry for me is that Mike Ashley um, he's weathered bigger storms than Rafa but as he's you know the Kevin Keegan situation uh, in 2008 I mean that was you know to, to stand up against public opinion like that um, and not back Keegan, not bring him back, that for me says if he's prepared to do that with Kevin Keegan, he'd, he'd be happy to weather the storm with Rafa Benitez if he didn't accept the conditions. And that is what worries me because really the perfect package is there for Newcastle in terms of a manager, someone who's united the city. Um, but sadly, um, Mike Ashley is stubborn and if, if he decides he's not going to give him this transfer kitty, then um, it could be trouble around the corner. Getting Benitez's signature on a new contract is the priority. It has to be for the club, for the reasons that you've given. Um, also, I think probably for the harmony in the dressing room, because how many players come out and say they want Benitez to stay, they cite how important he is to the team, what he's done for them personally. It's most of them. Um we know how the fans feel about Rafa Benitez. There will always be criticism of a manager. No manager is immune from criticism. But generally speaking, he has their backing 
and he knows that they love him. And the emotional side of it is important for him because he hasn't been loved everywhere that he's gone. He hasn't had the support in the stadium from the fans, whether the team's winning or losing, that he gets at Newcastle United. And the responsibility of doing a good job for the fans is something that he takes seriously. I think he enjoys it as well. I mean, this is somebody that's dealt with big pressure at clubs at the very top of their leagues, that's won the Champions League with Liverpool. You know, he knows about the pressure at the top. This is a different kind of pressure, but he does want to take Newcastle back to where he used to manage. I think there was a quote last weekend ahead of the Arsenal game, uh, just to illustrate what I mean, where he said, I used to beat these top teams. And Newcastle go into these games second favourite all the time. And in games against the top six this season, they've taken three points from 11 games, haven't they? The win over Manchester City. All the others have ended in defeat. Still got Liverpool at home to come. Um, So that's what I mean about taking the club back to where he used to be as a manager into the higher echelons of the league. Um, I think there's an element of his reputation having been on the line here because... He went down into the championship, brought the club back up, but then we've had two years where relegation has never been too far away from Newcastle United in conversation because of where the team's been in the league. And and he obviously needs the assurances that that's not going to happen next season. And that can just be a comfortable mid-table season. It could be that if you do something like Watford and Wolves have done this year, that's probably the best possible outcome. I don't mean the Cups, I mean in the league. Forget about the Cups because we understand the club's policy. Uh, on that and and of course the manager's thinking as well but um, I don't think it would take too much in terms of money to enable Rafa Benitez to take Newcastle United from 13th, 14th, 15th where they've been in the last few months to 8th, 9th, 10th. If you think of the money that's been spent on players that haven't really had great success in the last couple of years I'm thinking Manquillo Hosselu, one or two others, Murphy even. Those players were signed, as Rafa Benitez has put it, because they were the ones they could afford. They were the ones they could get in that price bracket. If you spend maybe a bit more money on better players, but sign fewer of them, then you've got a manager there who will be able to do, I think, a great job with better players and take the team up. So rather than having to fill the squad out, maybe just sign fewer better players instead of having to bring in five or six or seven and you might have to have a smaller squad but you've got better players and perhaps that could be a way of, of getting around it perhaps that'd be something that could be compromised on there will have to be compromise on both sides though and and, and there's more talking to be done and quality over quantity then on to Leicester who it's a, it's a team that I think many Newcastle fans would be quite envious of some very good players uh, Madison for one yeah. Um, still got Jimmy Vardy knocking in the goals up top, um, even at the, even though he is well over thirty. Um, and obviously, Brendan Rodgers was a name linked to Newcastle. He's gone there. He started really well, and it's it's a kind of a, a club, which maybe goes under the radar a little bit. We know they won the Premier League, but and that was kind of a, a fluke in many ways. But they still got an owner. Ship who wants to back the manager, who wanted to to give the the manager funds. We've seen that in the past few years. Um, and they're a very dangerous side. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the form, I think they've won the last four or five games. They're now in European contention. Um, I mean, if you look how close it is, 
um, between seventh and tenth, and seventh could be the European place because of the the way things are going with the uh, Champions League and things like that. So Rogers come in; he's done a good job, but, he, but apparently he's just come in and he's just kept it simple. You know, hasn't made too many changes. The most probably the most important thing he's done is put an arm around Jamie Vardy because he knows that Vardy is a, a player. You know advanced in his career as you say he's coming towards the, the he's coming in the kind of peak peak years of his career and Rogers just gone in put an arm around him you know made him feel wanted got him um, into a good place and, it, and it's paying off for them and this is a really dangerous game you know what the atmosphere is like down at Leicester um, and they always get the, get it exactly right for me I don't know what it is about the place but um, it makes it an intense environment Newcastle won their last season. I think that would be an amazing result. They've done it again, um, but I think it's it's going to be one of the toughest uh, toughest nights of the year. This is Acast recommends. Every week we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Benitez was linked to the job. Um, thankfully, it didn't happen. He often says that. Um, you know he doesn't like breaking his contract, so that didn't happen. He's still at Newcastle. Um, do you think he'll go down and there'll be a kind of a, a what if moment? It's interesting the Rafa Benitez and Leicester link because I think in the last two and a half years, I've been invited onto um, our sister station in Leicester to talk about the Rafa Benitez and Leicester City link. If down there it was big news, yeah, and. There was a lot of support for that particular idea, certainly from fans. Um, I'm sure there'll be some Newcastle supporters that breathed the sigh of relief when Brendan Rodgers went there because that vacancy is no more. And it's interesting, Benitez going back to Leicester for a night match, which is, of course, where he started with Newcastle in March 2016. Um, you hope that the end is not too far away uh, for Rafa Benitez here. But with, with Leicester City, they are a club from the outside looking in they'd get most things right. The setup they've got is brilliant. The way they treat the players seems to be excellent. The staff, the match day experience, just the little touches that they get right. I mean, last year when we were there, they gave out chocolate coins, didn't they? Because yeah. it was the owner um, who um, died in uh, the helicopter crash last year. It was his birthday. And I think they gave um, small gifts to the supporters for their most recent home game as well, I'm not sure exactly what they were. Maybe um, cakes or something. Mm. They do just little things like that, just to make the supporters feel part of things and appreciated. And you can probably cast some envious glances in their direction because of the the relationship between Newcastle's fans and the hierarchy at the club. Unfortunately, uh, on the pitch, great team. Like go through the sides, you know, player for player, like for like. And you would say that Leicester, in, in many cases, would probably come out stronger. They've invested, 
they seem to have spent well. And they've got players like um, Madison who would just be ideal for Newcastle. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine having Madison and Almiron in the same team? Um, no disrespect to Perez, you might be able to find a place for him as well. And he has been really important for Newcastle over a number of years. But Maguire at the back, could Newcastle have got him a few years ago for a reasonable price? He, well, was, he was heavily yeah, linked, pro- wasn't he? Probably. Madison, I know they spent a bit more on. He cost more than Almiron, didn't he? But you look at that and you just think they're doing what you hope Newcastle would have done or would be able to do. So obviously their scouting system works. It's going to be a really hard game because of the quality they've got throughout the team. They, they've got good defenders. The midfield seems pretty solid. Uh, Tillerman scored at the weekend. Um, and I'm sure a lot of other clubs will be looking at him. Madison, Vardy, just just quality throughout. But they won their last season despite having a terrible record at the King Power Stadium. And it was a good performance, a good game. So you just never know. It's on the day. Last year we went there, same time of year, knowing that maybe a win would keep Newcastle up, but wouldn't a draw be great? Yeah. Same kind of situation, same story going into the match. So you just never know. Away from home, we know how Rafa Benitez sets Newcastle up. Hasn't really gone so well away from home in recent weeks and months compared to the first few months of the season when it was the home form that was the problem. But if they're going to turn it around and get it right, what a place, what a time to do it, Friday. Yeah. And for you, Lee, who's the key man that Newcastle have to keep quiet? Is it, is it Vardy? It's, there's only one man that's Vardy for me because he is absolutely lethal. And even at 30, he's still got the pace uh, in abundance. He's so strong physically. Um, he can really upset teams and at the minute he's he's in fine form because as I say he's, the, his manager uh, is giving him real respect um, and he's and he's, he's repaying him on the pitch and that, that is the that is the key in that situation because once once a manager you know puts his arm around the shoulder and, and, and shows that they're working with you mm-hmm. then that person wants to go right I want to repay and I want to give you you know the the rewards back, um, and I'm sure Vardy before Rogers came was trying his heart out anyway to 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 do well because he's he's Leicester through and through. Could have left after they won the league. Could have went to Arsenal um, for big money, big wages, but decided to stay there. So he obviously loves Leicester as it is. Um, but realistically, um, for me, he would be the, the the danger man and the man to stop. One of the key battles will be Rondon. Um, now Maguire missed. Saturday, he's just become a father, so he's given time off. Evans was out injured, yeah. so it was uh, Wes Morgan and uh, Saranku who who played. He's a young Turkish teenager, and he gave away a penalty as well, but played quite well by all accounts, mm. minus that little yeah. discrepancy. Yeah, but uh, we we would probably expect Harry Maguire to be back in the side. So would you see it his job to keep Rondon quiet? Um, yes, I mean Morgan obviously is. Um, you know, big and strong, and, and might enjoy engaging in the physical battle with Rondon, who I'm sure will um, relish that himself as as well. Um, two big lads for him to be up against, but even on Saturday, there were times when Rondon was just getting his body in the way, he was just shoving people um, out of his path and, and using his size to good effect, which I think he always does. So um, it will be interesting to see how he does against whoever Leicester have in central defence but I would always back Rondon to find space to get chances for himself and he didn't have his 
Um, didn't have his range at the weekend, did he? Hit the target with a couple, but obviously the header was over the bar, the free kick you mentioned earlier. I'd back him to score, actually, because I think he will always find those opportunities. Newcastle are creating chances. The service is good. Before um, the Palace game, Matt Ritchie was second on the list of most crosses in the Premier League behind uh, Luca Dina, the Everton left-back. The numbers probably changed at the weekend, but... You know, they have that from the left-hand side. We've talked about Yedlin going forwards down the right. I think there'll be chances for Rondon. I would, yeah, I would I would back him to score at the weekend. And, and even if he's well-marshaled, he only needs one chance, you know, to, 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 to get the opportunity to shoot at goal or get a header. And, you know, he's he's done well for Newcastle this season. So I think, I think he'd be back on scoring form. I think he needs a goal as well, though, because Arsenal didn't look... To, we used to seeing him smiling and, and, and looking really happy. The past two games, he hasn't looked his quite usual self in terms of being that kind of happy character. And Saturday, he missed a few chances. You would have expected him to put that head away in the first half. And then, obviously, he had a goal ruled rightly offside. And then he had a kind of a team effort right at the keeper. And... I think just to get that kind of smile back on his face, it would be nice to see him get a goal. Yeah, but I think it's it just for me, it's about the uncertainty that he doesn't know if he's going to be here next season. Um, he's obviously been linked with a few other Premier League clubs, um, and footballers can be sensitive at times when they don't know if they're going to be. We just talked about Vardy there, the the complete opposite. Um, Rondon doesn't know if he's going to be here next season he wants to be here he came out publicly mm-hmm. and said I want to be here I love the area I love the number nine shirt on my back um, but we're, you know we're, we're running out of games now for him to uh, to get that move Newcastle the noises coming out um, aren't great they uh, don't seem to be willing to pay the money that is the, the clauses that have been bandied around um, if West Brom get promoted, that goes up even higher. I just cannot see Newcastle paying twenty million for Rondon, just because of the way they they approach things. So it's all connected with the Rafa Benitez contract side of things. Um, so it then goes on to the pitch. That's all. That's what I was mentioning on Saturday evening. You know, things are seeping onto the pitch at the moment because nobody knows where they stand. And Rondon normally after a match is. Um full of high fives even for the media big yeah. smiles pat on the shoulder stops for a chat he looked pretty fed up at the weekend headphones on left the stadium um disappointed obviously with the result and the fact that he hadn't scored but uh, just on the form and the arsenal thing in arsenal he looked a bit lethargic to me and i wonder if it was because of the international duty yeah. um the fact that he'd been away now, i don't think venezuela played in um south america they played one game in catalonia um, I can't remember where the other match was. I think it might have been in southern Spain. I'm sure we'll check. Yeah. Someone will correct us. But it was short enough hops. Yeah, exactly. But but he was involved. For, it's when they played Argentina, yeah. and he, he did play, and then he then he was left out of the second match. But um, he's a big boy, and it took him a while to get going at Newcastle. And if there are any fitness issues, it it, it seems like maybe he just needs a bit of time to shake them off. Um, so perhaps you know, think about his form earlier in the season. And obviously the travelling that he did and the fact that he's been on international duty again, he's come back. Maybe that played a part. Um, But going back to a point I made earlier about the spending, if you pay £16.5 million for Rondon, you probably get two, maybe three seasons out of him. Uh, He'd be 30 in September. And no resale. No resale value. But if you get two years out of him, you know, just over £8 for him and he gets you 
10 goals minimum because you would think that he'd have a better understanding with Almiron and Perez and there might be other good players around him hopefully next season and the year after working under Rafa Benitez that's the ideal situation isn't it then how much would it cost you to go and get somebody in their early 20s to do as good or a better job than Rondon would would you need to pay 15 million to get somebody mm. who is going to be as good so you, you're effectively paying the same amount for somebody who is untested there's no guarantee where you've got Rondon he knows the league he knows the team you know how to get the best out of him I think if you forgetting the age it's a fairly risk-free signing assuming West Brom don't come up and it's 16 and a half million pounds to then go and get a replacement you're probably going to have to spend big money definitely big money to get somebody better to get somebody as good as Rondon who might do okay and might prove to be better it's the same sort of fee and you need another striker on top of that anyway so I just think for many reasons it makes sense and I said talked earlier about compromise the club might have to try to find a compromise there as Rafa Benitez might have to compromise they have a lot of players around that early 30s, late 20s mark. So you could say they don't need too many, but they do need one in Rondon permanently. It's not just about scoring goals, though, is it? It's about fitting into the system that uh, Benitez wants to play. We saw with Mitrovic, you know, big money. Everyone thought he can grab a goal. I think he scored six in his first five games for Fulham. I think he has got nine or ten this season. Similar stature, but it wasn't what Benitez wanted. He wouldn't do the running. And it's not just about finding someone who can score goals, it's about finding someone who, who plays to Benitez's as a style. Absolutely, and you know, you make the point there about Mitrovic. Mitrovic he didn't fancy him, um and he ended up leaving for, for good money. Um Rondon come in, it took a lot of persuading for them to even get him on loan. Um but he's done well. I mean, as you say, the the system Rafa's playing, um it's working. Um it hasn't worked the last couple of games unfortunately, but players have little bad runs of form but it's interesting what you, you say there about him walking on the ground with the headphones on and mm-hmm. and not you know with his head down and and that's the thing sometimes um people don't always see behind the scenes and i think as i say from that dressing room at the minute um are a bunch of players who are giving everything there's no doubt about that the team spirit is there but they want to know what is happening at the football club next year. They want to know what's going to happen in the next few weeks in terms of uh, Rafa Benitez because he's down to his last uh, five games now. Um, and really, if that all comes together, then suddenly you, you can't wait for next season to start. But at the minute, it's it's what if. And that is a huge problem at the club. And this is the way Newcastle United is. Things turn so quickly and so often. And... You turn back on yourself because Everton came back to win three-two. Euphoria at full time. I mean, what what a what a fantastic turnaround in that second half. So many subplots. Everyone was on a high. You're talking about Rafa Benitez. Team's almost safe. You speak to Rondon afterwards. He scored again. He wants to stay. And then a couple of weeks on, you've lost two matches. You've had the international break. So. Um, you know the high that you were on after Bournemouth as well, and the late comeback has has now dissolved. Really, that's gone. You've lost two games, starting to look over your shoulder a little bit. Although Cardiff have got a tough run in, but you might not finish as high as you were. Now questions are being asked about Rondon. The noises haven't been great. Rafa Benitez's comments at, uh, on Friday when he spoke to the media ahead of the Palace match, waiting for an answer from the club. Then after the match, he said nothing had nothing had really changed. So now. The questions that you're asking are perhaps 
slanted negatively and it's more about is this going to go wrong rather than okay is this going to go right like we were feeling after Everton because it was got to, they've got to get Rondon he wants to stay well that'll be good the team's going to stay up while well, Benitez looks happy and now it's mm, not sure about Rafa it just feels like no, a no-brainer yeah, yeah. you know give Rafa what he wants so quickly. sign Rondon yeah. will, the fans are will Rondon be a kind of a caveat to Rafa signing will it be look I want I want control over the budget I want control over who I bring in and I want Rondon signed do you think that's going to be one of those things on Benitez's list I you mean, have to sign Rondon he'll say he, he would like Rondon no doubt about it and if they say he can't have Rondon he'll then say well find me someone as good and you know pay for someone as good and that that could be a lot of money that could be a lot more than 20 million I mean obviously Joe Linton's been linked uh, the Hoffenheim striker um, definitely a player the club have got an interest in, but Rafa Benitez isn't quite sure. He thinks maybe forty million could that be ploughed into another player or another two players? You know that could change the dynamic of this team completely. So there's so many questions at the moment um, and not a lot of answers from the powers that be. That forty million might get you two fullbacks, maybe a central midfielder and another attacking player, or a fullback, two midfielders and a wide player. And then is there money still for Rondon if a couple of players go out? Obviously, the club manages their money in a, in a way that they would say is sensible, they're careful. I just think signing Rondon makes good financial sense and good football sense as well, irrespective of the age that he's at. Um, and then you can bring in younger players around him and, and the other experienced players that you've got, Fernandez, Dubravka, Diame, well, we don't know. But, um, you know, there is, there's enough experience in there um, to not need to sign too many players around the 30 mark, but with Rondon, it just, I, I just, I, I just don't know where they would turn to find somebody to play that role yeah. as well as he does. You would have to then get a different type of centre forward, and this team has worked so well having Rondon do exactly what Benitez wanted Mitrovic to do. Um, it would just be really sad, I think, if he was not at Newcastle next season and, and it would be even worse and harder to take if he was at another Premier League club like West Ham, Everton or Wolves who've been linked to him all of whom would sign off £16.5 million straight away you would think because that's the type of money those clubs have spent I mean experience is, is key I mean you, you could go back to Peter Beardsley back in 1993 Newcastle <laughs> signed him when he was 32 and look at the value they got out of that player they, you know they qualified for Europe they finished in the top three they almost won the league they got good three or four seasons out of Peter Beardsley um, and that shows you that when the quality and the experience is there sometimes it all comes together for a player I mean Beardsley was first class to start with when Newcastle signed him I was amazed Everton sold him for that price um, but Rondon obviously no comparisons here uh, but Rondon has got the experience he's got the ability to score you put in a couple of players there who can provide and he, he could easily get 20 goals in a season. Well, certainly, of course, it would be a huge boost as well to, to sign the number nine who has proved so popular on Tyneside. Uh, briefly then, Leicester, the, we've got team selection um, questions. Shelby, into the side. Scored there last season. Had a good game. Um, it's an away match, though, so there will be a focus on being compact, keeping it tight, and if there is a criticism of Shelby that... Uh, is made consistently it is that defensively he perhaps isn't as good as some of the other midfielders Newcastle have but uh, if Diarmé's out again 
Um, you lose somebody who's going to get it in and around people, get about people. He did quite a bit of that at Arsenal, um, often leading to free kicks, but it can be disruptive. So if Xavi plays, it's a different approach. <laughs> if Key plays, then you've got a, a bit more quality on the ball than you would have with Diame. Um, could you find a place for Cher further up? I'm not so sure the manager would because he would want to. He doesn't want to change too many positions. Uh, if you're going to be positive and try to win, play Shelby. Maybe it's time for him to play anyway because he's been out for a while and you might say that are Newcastle good enough to go and control the game against Leicester without him in midfield? Perhaps not. Could he? Could they change the system and play, in a, play with three? I'm not so sure. I would start him personally. Um, and be a bit more positive. I'm not sure whether Benitez will because he does err on the side of caution. I mean, for me, I've already hinted at it earlier in, in, in the podcast, but for me, I would switch it back to a four-four-two. Mm. I would bring Shelby in into the central midfield, and I would I would have Almiron pretty much alongside Rondon because I think Shelby needs to link up with Almiron because we haven't seen that so much yet. Um, and I think they could, they could be the perfect combination because uh, Shelby will look to get Almiron on the ball. Almiron could could cause havoc uh, if you give him the opportunity. And obviously, we know what Rondon can do. So, might mean Iosi Perez, who scored a great goal down there last season, could miss out. But so on, you'd, you'd move Richie up to the left, yeah. bring Dum in, yeah, play the flat back four, and um, hopefully um, it would pay off. But trying to guess Rafa Benitez's tactics is a very difficult thing to do and it will be for Leicester as well and and maybe that's an advantage for Newcastle because disappointing result they've got the option of changing things so Leicester may not know uh, what they're going to do and to be fair before the game sometimes we don't always know how Newcastle are going to line up sometimes we're not sure if it's going to be five at the back the players yeah. didn't on Saturday well so th- that could work in their favour but I don't know I've just got a feeling that it, it it might go okay on Friday. That could be a draw. It depends on the circumstances, how you get the draw, I suppose. But, um, you know, Leicester have been on a good run. I think following Newcastle, you all know that when you're on a good run, it, it often ends and it sometimes ends in a way that you don't expect. They did well down there last season. Um, you know, they've, they've got to get something. Maybe there's a bit of a point to prove for one or two individuals. Friday night could be the time. Um, maybe I'm being too positive and optimistic, but... I could, I can see them getting something, getting something positive, um, at least a point on Friday, um, despite Leicester's obvious quality and their good form. Right, just before I ask you for your score predictions, just a quick note that we are taking Gibbo's Corner out to a live audience on May the 2nd at Ware Rooms. It's a £5 a ticket, that includes a pint, and ticket proceeds go to the NUFC Fans Food Bank. Find all the details on our website for that. Um, Lee, your score prediction then for Friday? I think it's going to be difficult. I'd like. I'd love to sit here and say Newcastle are going to go out and turn it around, but I actually think Leicester. This is the worst time to play them. Um, I think it's going to be. Sadly, I think it's going to be a three-one win for Leicester. And Matthew, we know you're feeling confident. You're feeling positive. Someone has to. So go on. Well, these players have never let Newcastle United down. They have always delivered when it's mattered. Um, they're a great bunch with their attitude, and I think that they will respond. Um, I'm going to go all out um, and I'm going to say that uh, Almiron's going to score his first goal and I think um, 
both teams will score. No, I said I'll go all out. I think they'll win two one again. Almiron will score his first goal, and Rondon will get the other. There we are. Fingers crossed, and then a nice party <laughs> back on time side, and that would make Castle all but safe as well. So. Yeah, that would that, that would do it, wouldn't it? Four games to go, and you got Brighton, Fulham, and Southampton in that final block of fixtures Liverpool aside they win against Leicester you've got those three to come then you're looking up the table again aren't you where you can finish rather than over your shoulder positive positive vibes on a Monday it's strange how quickly it can turn well thank you very much for joining us thank you Matthew for coming in um, head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for the latest Newcastle United news thank you very much This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.